Hello there. Welcome to Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster and author of Positive Changes, a self-kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z approach of modern day grief healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life. Fear not, it's not just me. Each week, I will bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey. So if you're ready to be inspired, let's go. In this week's episode of Positive Changes, I am joined by author of Forever Is Today, Janet Lynn Morrison. Janet Lynn shares her journey of forgiveness despite the most challenging start in life. We all come into this world as a pure being and then something happens to us with the, the experiences that we have in our life and the pain and we mess up our lives so much like it is so easy to do for some reason nobody just has a perfect life we all make so many mistakes and it's about forgiving yourself and letting go of the mistakes i truly hope that janet lynn's words help you to sit for just a few moments today to look at your own life and see where you can offer forgiveness whether it's to yourself or someone else wishing you a gentle listen and a beautiful path ahead So today on the show, I'm joined by Janet Lynn Morrison, and she is author. So I want to say hello to Janet Lynn. Hello, Shelley, and thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here today. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much for joining us, because I know you're going to share your beautiful story about the power of forgiveness and your positive changes. So please, let's start. Okay, well, I think that forgiveness has been my biggest blessing in my life. And it all started with uh, being a little girl, and I never really had a connection with my mother, which is, uh, was very sad. And I always felt like I was um, a, a pain, really, just to put it bluntly. It's like I didn't feel like I belonged in my family. I felt like I was always uh, upsetting my mother, and I didn't really understand why. And this sort of went on for a very long time. So I don't know what your relationship with your mother was like or all of you out there, but it's a very, it should be a very special relationship. And I am a mother myself. I have three beautiful daughters, so I have wonderful relationships with them. And I think I really missed out. Yeah, it is a real key relationship, isn't it? I think whilst people are born without parents and other situations, there is something, especially I think like for fathers with boys and mums with daughters, it does kind of help you identify who you are, half of who you are at least, doesn't it? It really does. And in our home, uh, we had a very musical family and my mother decided that when I was very young, four years old, I was going to be a concert pianist. So that was 
what she wanted me to become. Now that I'm older and my mother is gone, I have had the opportunity to reflect and understand why she had that relationship with me. And it all had to do with her relationship with her mother, of course. But um, back to the forgiveness, it was so important for me and the success that my life was going to have. Because if I hadn't of forgiven my mother uh, for all of the things that had happened, I don't think that I would have been able to be as successful as I feel that I am today as a person. And I, my mother did leave my dad when I was nine years old and she pulled me out of the family home, took me away from my father, who I had a very good relationship with and separated me from my one brother. And I think that she just wanted someone to control and have someone to be her little minion. And I was quite good at music, at playing the piano. And uh, that became my childhood. It was practicing four to six hours every day. And, um, but that started to break down when my mother, um, her relationship with her boyfriend deepened and they got married and he was not a very good person. He was an alcoholic and I found myself living in this abusive home with abusive relationships with two, uh, the only two adults really that were in my life. And I couldn't understand why my mother always took this person's side and why I was always just the second, um, I always came second, if at all. And um, it became just so difficult to live in that environment. And I kept wondering what I did wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just sounds so painful. Bless you. So you've been feeling like you said a pain, like you weren't really meant to be there, or you were, you know, a burden for being there. And then out of the blue, you're suddenly taken away from a brother. So the sibling link is so strong. You're mm-hmm. taken away from your brother and your father. I mean, you must have amazing power of forgiveness. Well, um, I'll tell you more about how that happened. So it got to the point where I was barely even going to school. I was in grade 10 in my local high school. I barely saw my father and my brother because it was just too painful for my dad. Um, I was his little buttercup. And whenever we did get together, he would, I would catch him staring at me and I would say, what, why are you staring at me like that? And he'd say, you do that just like your mother. And he was just so hurt. I think that my mother was the love of his life and she just destroyed him. And well, you can't really destroy another person, but he was destroyed for having her leave him and he never quite got over it. So while I was in school, I remember not wanting to go back home. And it certainly wasn't because I was studious. I just didn't want to go back home. So um, after a while, I would try to stay away as much as I could. But my mother took that as a little bit of a slap in the face. And I think um, losing the control over me really made her angry. And it made my stepfather angry. And so I would come home and Shelly, the door would be locked there would be a note, you can't come home, find somewhere else to sleep. And this started to happen more and more often. So here I was just a gangly teenager with no money, no cell phone, because this was in the 80s. 
and I didn't know where to go. I had no people. I just had acquaintances and um, friendships with people, but not deep friendships, just with girlfriends and that sort of thing. And my day revolved around trying to figure out where I would be safe to spend the night and to lay my head down at night. And I literally got permission from different friends at school to sleep in their garage, to sleep in their shed, to sneak in through a window and sleep in their basement. I even slept on one girl's father's boat <laughs> for a little while until he came one day and thought, who's this girl? Who are you? Get out of here. And um, that was unpleasant. But I, I literally um, had to learn what it felt like um, after couch surfing and um, that sort of thing. I had to um, feel what it felt like to be hungry. So I know what it feels like to be hungry. And there was one summer where I actually had to steal tomatoes from this woman's garden and I would buy a loaf of bread and I would put tomatoes on my bread. And um, that, was, that was sort of how I lived that summer. So I was very angry with my mother and she was just as angry with me because she couldn't understand why it was better for me to be on the, on the streets at that point than to come home because my pride did get in my way. And when my mother felt like opening the door and letting me come back, it was always under her terms. I would have to practice the piano. I would have to do this concert for her. Um, she wanted to show me off to her friends and I didn't like that. And at that point I told her I hated the piano. I was never gonna play it again. And um, the funny thing about that is that I am a classical pianist today and every chance that I got, I would borrow someone's piano or if I went to visit my mother, um, I would, when she was busy or if she went out to get groceries, I would jump on the piano. And when I heard her car, I would pretend that I, I wasn't practicing and I would just go back and turn on the television and pretend that I was just being a lazy teenager after all, so kind of interesting well bless you I think I'd be I don't know I think I'd probably hate the piano if I was you because <laughs> you've always been homeless really I mean you're locked out from a safe place I mean how old were you when this was I was happening? I was 15 years old and what my mother did was she um, told the authorities about me um, again she wanted me to come back home but um, what that did was that allowed me the opportunity to learn that there was a girl's home and a program that I could join. And if I went through this program successfully, I was able to get government assistance if I remained in school and I got an apartment. So by the time I was 16, I had my own apartment, I was going to school and I always was raised to know that you have to get your education. And I wasn't the kind of teenager that got into parties and I just wasn't that kind of person. I like to read and watch movies and just be quiet. So I had a cat and um, I lived there for um, probably six months. And I really ran into some challenges with the teenagers in high school because um, my story got to the rumor mill and all kinds of stories were going on. Everything from I was pregnant to, um, I don't know, I, I don't even want to think about it. I just remembered it was really bad time. And um, 
suddenly people would start showing up at my apartment and wanting somewhere to um, party. And um, it became very difficult at that point to, um, to exist in school because nobody really understood me. And I, I ended up uh, telling my landlord that I was very sorry that I was going to leave and I jumped on a train. We have a via rail here in Canada. And I jumped on a train and I moved to four hours away to the metropolitan city of Toronto with millions and millions of people and huge skyscrapers. I was from a small town. So it was very, um, it was really exciting actually for me. And I got an apartment there and I got a job and I continued going to school. And I just left that old life behind me and made a new life for myself. So I was about 17 then. Do you feel that you're like old before your time? Because you've kind of gone through more than most people do in their lifetime, you know, with the difficult yeah. childhood, you know, the sense of loss, the abandonment, yeah. you know, and then at 17, living somewhere totally different to your upbringing. Are you quite an old soul? <laughs> I think so. I've been told that a lot. And I did feel like an old soul. I found myself spending time with people that were in their 30s. Um, and most of them had children, but I loved kids. So I became part of the family. And that was really a blessing because I loved family, the family system, the family unit. And that's where I got my love from. That's where I've got my feeling of belonging. And that's where I continued to learn about life and about family and what families were really supposed to be like. So that was, I was safe because I had these people in my life and if I ever needed anything, they were there. And um, when I was, this went on for a few years and then I had a boyfriend. And um, when I was 23 years old, my father died suddenly of a brain aneurysm. So um, that was really sad. All the while I did get back in touch with my brother and he was going through the same kind of struggles far away on his own. But the neat thing about that is that it really tied us together and we developed this writing relationship. Like we would write each other these long letters and send them in snail mail. But um, my brother today, just to quickly jump, um, he lives near me and he's actually coming over for dinner tonight with his family. So my brother and I are very, very, very close. And I think that that is really wonderful. We're the only ones that understand each other um, because we don't have very much family because my our mother did pass away 16 years ago and it's just me and my brother and our own individual families. So I think that um, he'll always follow me wherever I go and we'll always be really close. So I think that's really wonderful. Um, and then when I was 24, uh, my mother called me one day and out of the blue, and I hadn't talked to her in a long time. And she said, Janet Lynn, I have cancer, stage four lung cancer. And I was told to get my affairs in order. What do you think of that, basically? So. Wow, and how long had passed between the time obviously you're homeless and locked out and you've got the apartment and then your mum phones when you're 24. So how many years had passed without speaking? That, well, we did speak from time to time, but that was about eight years. And we, in that time, we were able to talk to one another 
um, once in a while. We didn't really visit, but then something happened when I was uh, right around that age and I became pregnant out of the blue. And I decided I was going to be a single mother and I was gonna be the best mom on the planet. And I had a beautiful daughter and I did go to visit my mom at that time. And I think she was really excited because she knew that she had ruined things with me, but she did talk to me about how um, she hoped that I would allow her to become a grandmother to her first grandchild. And I did see the glimmer of hope, but um, again, she was sick. And I decided in one moment when I found out and I saw the future and I figured, um, you know, we can be very sensitive and empathetic. And I imagined what things must have been like for her. And I got together with her and I looked at her and I said, mom, I forgive you. And I just swept all of the past under the proverbial rug. And she was quite stunned. And um, it was really amazing. I became an advocate for her. And I was able to get her into a treatment center, which was not easy because they had pretty much decided that your life is over and um, you should just get your affairs in order. So what I did was in Toronto, I found the best cancer hospital that there was. And I started to call the hospital and there was a woman that answered the phone and I asked her her name. And every day I continued to call and ask for this one lady. And finally, after about three weeks, she got really angry and she said, why do you keep calling? I said, no, we can't take her. And there was this long pause and I said, she's my mother. What would you do if she were yours? And then there was a long pause on her end and it felt like a long time had gone by. I'm sure it was only a few moments. This woman came back on the phone and she said, have your mother here in the morning. And I did. And I brought this woman a big bouquet of flowers. I walked in and I said, where's so-and-so? I've forgotten her name. And she recognized my voice. And it was a really beautiful moment with tears. And I introduced her to my mother and I said, thank you. And the wonderful thing about that is that in that five years, before I was there when holding my mother's hand when she died, because she got another five years, she got to know me and I got to learn about her life. We were both able to forgive one another and we were both able to love one another. And it was a really wonderful gift. So I was very, very happy um, that we had the opportunity to do that and that I had the foresight to just forgive her. And that really taught me the most valuable lesson in my entire life. And I've gone on to demonstrate that forgiveness with my daughters. And I like to do public speaking. And everywhere I go, I talk about this uh, ability to not only forgive others, that is very freeing for yourself, but also to forgive yourself. And I think that um, we can attract illness into our life when we don't forgive ourselves. And when we have a lot of pain and anxiety in our life, we become sick. And I'm quite sure that my mother's cancer was the result of many, many years of things in her life that she hadn't forgiven. 
and um, it's too bad that she didn't have the chance to learn that lesson sooner. So. Thank you so much for sharing that. I find it fascinating. I mean, I think forgiveness is a really powerful thing. And so many people listen today, I'm sure, will have bad relationships, particularly with our parents, you know, because the relationships we choose, the jobs, you know, the vices, just the life choices that we make for ourselves, not for them. And when you speak about yours, I mean, obviously, yours may go deeper than some of ours, where you've been like made homeless and, you know, you've been taken away from your sibling and that. But in that moment, when you said, like, I forgive you, you're forgiven. How do you forgive? Is it a conscious decision? Is it just words? How do you know if you're truly forgiven someone? Um, I think something happens when you say those words and when you mean it and when you have love in your heart and you want the you want a certain outcome. I wanted to love my mother. I wanted to not feel that pain anymore. I didn't want to feel like a victim. I wanted to have a good life. I wanted to be happy and feel joy. And I wanted to have a healthy relationship with others. And I wanted to be the best mom, like I said, that I could. And so um, it was just, it was very freeing. I felt like um, a dam just sort of burst. And I just felt like my heart grew and it just filled with love. And um, it was just this wonderful, wonderful feeling. And you become quite addicted to that feeling of love. It's, it's actually the easiest thing on the, on the planet to just say, I'm sorry to others and to say, I forgive you. And the nicest thing, Shelly, about forgiveness is you don't need the other person to be there. To forgive them. You can forgive them on your own. You don't have to wait for the I'm sorry. So I have been able to implement this in my life. I, I, I own a, biz, a couple of businesses. And sometimes you have some pretty rotten people that you have to deal with that do things to you. I, I was sued by this one woman who was a lawyer. And um, she it's a big long story, but um, it wasn't a very good feeling and it, was a, it wasn't a very good outcome uh, for me financially, um, but I forgave her. And once I did, like I couldn't say her name for the longest time. And then once I forgave her, I was able to say her name and think about her. I was able to send her love just by closing my eyes and picturing her face and just, again, feeling my heart fill. And then you just basically push it out there into the world and you end up smiling. And if you just, you know that you've forgiven the person because you are able to think about them and smile and to give them good vibes and send them loving thoughts. And that's when you know that it, it actually worked. And then you also find that you don't think about what happened anymore. You don't think about the negativity. You don't think about how you were hurt. The hurt is gone. It's literally wiped away just by forgiving. It's really remarkable. I think it's beautiful. I just thinking of like the listeners out there and they're sort of like holding a grudge towards an ex or a mum or whoever it is, Janet Lynn. And I think it's important to forgive. I think if we're not forgiving, we're still anchoring ourselves in the past what was mm -hmm. rather than you know taking a leap of faith what could be 
and I think it's beautiful, but you made it sound so simplistic. I just want to make sure I understood it right, that it's kind of like a knowing, you know, I mean, you obviously had yeah. that time became very precious whilst you had an extension, you had like initially the three months. And if you're going to mm. hang on to the past in the three months, it's not of any benefit to anyone, is it? Not at all. And it was very cathartic and cleansing and healing for my mother, which was another uh, part of this, because that woman, she was a kind woman. We're, we all come into this world as the pure beings. And then something happens to us with the, the experiences that we have in our life and the pain. And we mess up our lives so much. Like it is so easy to do for some reason nobody just has a perfect life we all make so many mistakes and it's about forgiving yourself and letting go of the mistakes but my mother was able to she, I remember her looking at me and saying how do you do this like how did why did you forgive me and aren't you upset about this and how I treated you and I said no I said I'm not and I said I do forgive you and I just want to be here for you and I love you and and it was wonderful for her. And I think she was able to forgive her own mother. And I actually remember a phone call when she was in the hospital. And um, I'm going to try not to cry, but it, it was a, a formidable moment. My mother, I helped her to call her mother. And I didn't know my grandmother very well. I had only met her once or twice. But they talked on the phone and they cried and my mother forgave her mother. And she called to say goodbye because my mother only had a few days really left. We knew it was, the time was very near. And it was, it was, it gives me goosebumps just to remember it. But imagine that, imagine having your daughter call you to say, I forgive you and I have to say goodbye. It was, it was crazy. It was a really deep moment, but I'm so glad that I could be there for it. And um, later after my mom died, I did go and visit my grandmother because I wanted to know what she was all about. And I, I saw her twice before she passed away of old age. And um, I, I just hope that we were able to affect her life in some small way um, for the better but my mother died with a peaceful heart. And um, I'm sure there were some relationships in her life, perhaps with her own husband that uh, she didn't see again. Um, we won't get into that, but um, I think that she probably still had some pain left over, some residual pain, but now I'm sure, of course, she's, she's where she's meant to be and uh, there's no more pain, which is really makes me happy. <laughs> It's a really beautiful ending, I think, because you all want to have a good life if we can, but also if all else fails, like a good death, you know, to make sure that you've spoken those unspoken words and said how you feel. And it is like, the, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not saying please forgive me, but it is the I'm sorry, I love you, you know, just speaking your truth in those final days. And I think it's a real blessing when we achieve that, despite everything, I mean, for yourself, everything that you went through even your own mum went through to actually get some closure and some peace, the most beautiful gift, I think. I think so too. 
So people out there, there's going to be hundreds of people listening who have these, you know, difficult relationships and they're sort of going, yeah, but I'm not going to say sorry <laughs> because of this and that. But do you have to say sorry or do you have to get an apology? Can you just say, I forgive you? So it doesn't matter. Yes, I'm glad you asked me that because um, it really is that simple. It's, it's between you and yourself and your thoughts. And all you have to do is let them go and forgive the person. You don't have to wait for anything. In fact, you can do it very simply and easily in one moment. You just make a decision and you do it and you just fill your heart up with love and send it out to that person and something miraculous happens and you all of a sudden feel lighter and you feel joy and you feel it's almost like someone switched on a light and you don't harbor those um, negative feelings anymore and it's really great because especially if you have complicated families with different siblings and there's people that are estranged from one another you can be that example of light and um, that is something that people can feel they may not know exactly what it is about you that's changed but they know that something's changed and they want a piece of it and before long the those family members and friends of the family um, and whoever it is it could be with co-workers in your place of employment but people are going to wonder they're going to see that joy that smile that light in your eyes and they're going to wonder what it's all about and then you'll have the opportunity to say yeah I just forgave a whole bunch of people and um and it was great and then you, you should try it and this is something that it's like the pay it forward um I know that you're in the UK I'm here in Canada but in North America there's this thing about paying it forward and in our coffee shops with the drive-throughs, Tim Hortons, we go through and we say to the teller, I'd like to pay for the next five coffees and you give them $20 or whatever. And then you just drive away. And then that next person goes up and they go to pay for their coffee. And the teller says, oh, the lady before you paid for your coffee. And then they're so gracious and so happy that they move through their day and they do something kind for someone else. So it's catchy, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. I think it's great and it's a way that you can put kindness into the world. And remember what you put in to things you usually get back. So it's the law of attraction. So if you want to live a happy, fulfilled life, give, all you have to do is give and give of yourself, give forgiveness, give hope, give love, give of yourself, and you will have a really beautiful life. I love that. I think it's a beautiful story. In my next book, Good Grief, I talk about like difficult relationships, and I talk about like the grief voice box, I call it, because people always struggle with communication at the end of life. And I think you did beautifully with your mum. But sometimes I think, we don't always get the good deaths we spoke about earlier and people do die without saying what they need you to say, what they believe they want you to share. And so I don't know what your opinions are, but when people, when we feel wronged by people and things like that, and they die without us saying the words, do you believe that we can say, pass that forgiveness over? I definitely think that. And there's a lot of different ways 
I think for everyone, everyone communicates differently, but you can leave um, a video message for someone, you can write someone a letter, you can journal, you can even just write a letter to that person and tell them that you forgive them or ask for their forgiveness, whichever the case is. And it's done. It, it just getting it out and perhaps sharing it with another person that you trust. Um, it, that's a great way to do it too, is just keeping it to yourself might work, but if you don't feel like that's the right thing, then share it and, or pick up the phone and call the person. Again, send them a letter, send them an email. Um, there's so many ways that we can find one another. You can find someone on Facebook. And um, I found you somehow, I can't even remember how, I think it was on Instagram and um, saw the wonderful work that you were doing and I wanted a, to be a part of that. So thank you again, but there's just so many ways that we can connect with other people and you just have to find the best way for yourself. And as soon as you feel that peace, you'll know that you found the right way to communicate that forgiveness. Yeah, I love that. Gonna say, for me, we don't say a thing we want to say in life. We don't say things we should be saying in life is probably more to the point. But I know sometimes people die before we have the chance to say, you know, you hurt me, but I forgive you. But as you say, we can still speak the words after death, really. Do you know what I mean? We can go and shout it out to the universe, write a letter, like you said, and burn it, send it, or reach out to someone that's still here. I just get really passionate that, you know, we're, we're humans, we have conversations, we interact with people, so there are going to be upsets along the way. But I think you've just showed us beautifully today that when we speak, like even like beginning of the interviews now past, you know, we have to move on. And it's so beautiful that, you know, you can help create positive changes from just saying, I forgive you. And there's no comeback. You don't have to wait for them to say, you know, I forgive you too, or I don't forgive you. It doesn't matter. It's your work for yourself. And I love that. I love it too. <laughs> so if there are people out there, which I know there will be, and they're sitting there and they're really angry about the ex that left them for another woman or the mum that abandoned them because she felt, I don't know, too young to be a mother, whatever the story is so far, what one positive change would you say people could do today? I think that meditation is something that a good place to start. You don't have to meditate for a long time. You don't even really have to know what that is. Uh, again, with technology today, there's so many ways that you can find out more. I follow someone named Dr. Joe Dispenza and it has been just, it's been life-changing for me. But the word meditate means to know oneself. It's to get to know yourself. And I think that when you create that quiet time to reflect and close your eyes and um, think, you're able to get in touch with a part of yourself that you didn't really know before because life is so noisy. Life is so busy. You're always moving from one activity to the next. And you're always, um, when you are thinking, you're either thinking about the future, which can create a lot of anxiety, or you're thinking about the past, which has already happened. And, um, you know, forever is today. And living in the present moment is really all we have. And so relying on that is a really great thing. So catching your thoughts when you're worrying about the future or the past, there's nothing that you can do except for forgive anything that's already happened. So living in that present moment and 
meditation and just getting in touch with who you are and figuring out what your purpose is on this, on, on this life, in this lifetime. This, we've got this beautiful gift of life and it does go by very fast and we don't know how long we have. So it's so important to embrace today in the moment. So journaling is another really good thing. Any way that you can get in touch with the person that you are and to stop the chatter of the TV and, and social media and just have some quiet and get in touch with who you are, figure out what you want, think about the relationships that you want to have with people and figure out what's important to you. And to be able to think of those things is something that most people don't do because people aren't thinking. They're just sort of replaying yesterday. Today, it's like they're picking up yesterday and they're dropping it off tomorrow or today and they're just reliving that same day over and over because they're not thinking. So stop, think, reflect, and figure out who you are and who you want to be in this world and then be it. Thank you so much. I've loved your story. And it's fine to say I loved it because obviously you've been through quite a lot from all the loss you've had in your life. But just the beautiful way that you forgave the situation and here you are today living a beautiful life I truly hope you inspire people. So thank you for joining us today, Janet Lynn. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kickbook from all online book retailers or from shellyfknight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelley F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing.